Alright, so I did the book of Ecclesiastes. So I found Ecclesiastes complicated and I found it that I had many lessons that could be learned from it. I also found uh, out that the book can be read in two hours. Um, that could vary depending on how fast you read. And um, the meaning of Ecclesiastes is the book of wisdom and literature. So the book was written around 1000 BC and there was one writer in the book and that was in fact Solomon. And you, we can see that in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1, which says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And also in the book, he's referred as the preacher, as we also saw in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So there's a word and a phrase which is mentioned multiple times in Ecclesiastes. One, which is vanity, which is mentioned 29 times in Ecclesiastes. And a phrase uh, which is under the sun, which is mentioned also 29 times. So the meaning of the vanity is our pride about our life earnings and our appearances. Um, okay, so the book can be separated into two parts. So part one, chapter one, verse six, which talks about whatever is under the sun is vanity. And then part two is chapter seven, verse 12, uh, which teaches us uh, how to not overdo it with the vanity in the world. So some of the key points of the book are about how it is um, time for everything that God is in control. And we see that in Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, um, chapter three. And similar to the Proverbs, it also talks about the differences between foolish and the wise. And we see that a lot in chapter five, verse seven, for example, in chapter seven, verse five, it says, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than a man to hear the songs of foolish, which is very similar to what Proverbs does in that book. Um, so vanity is the keyword of the book. And I'll just now go into the boring part where I talk about what every chapter talks about. So chapter one talks about uh, what happens on the earth and the earth is unchangeable and basically saying God is in control of everything and there's nothing man can do to change the world. Then we have in chapter two, it talks about a man who first followed his flesh, worked and made great riches, but later in the chapter, he realizes that um, all this is for is nothing, realizing wisdom is all he needed. And God gave him his request in verse, and in verse 25 specifically talks about how he enjoys life more than anyone who can eat or do worldly stuff. Um, I did something wrong here. It says, talks about a man that is in fact Solomon talking about his life. Um, so it's just him reflecting about his life. Um, chapter three is a time for everything and God does everything in his time. No man can change the way of God. Verse 9 to 12, we see a picture of the Lord Jesus and how he did the work from beginning to the end. And all that we have to do is just to rejoice in the work that he's done for us. Chapter 4, everything that happens under the sun is controlled by God and what's good and what's bad. How lonely, boring, envious and lazy people are with their lives. And then chapter 5, it talks about money doesn't buy happiness and life, but the salvation of the Lord gets us eternal life with him face to face. And we can clearly see this in verse, in verse 10. Um, so let me just go to that. So in chapter 5, verse 10, it says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, and nor he who loves abundance with, it, uh, with increase. This is also vanity. Um, and here, 
we can see that because Solomon's writing this book, we, we could see that in his life story that when he he had all his riches and stuff and he ended up wasting his life on um, his vanity, his pride and his appearance and how he looked. Um, and that's, again, another picture of vanity. Um, so in chapter six, there are three points in which chapter six can be placed. The first point is about richness that um, can be enjoyed in verse one and two. And then we have the second point is about someone who has everything but never never enough, verse three to nine. And then the third point is about a person who is worried about his future in verse 10 to 12. Okay, chapter seven talks more about compassion of the wise and the foolish. And then chapter eight, Solomon gives different advice to the Jews and about how to live by his own experience of life. Chapter nine, Solomon talks about how everyone will go through death. Chapter 10 and 11, uh, Solomon gives more examples and advice for the future to the Jews. And then we have, lastly, in chapter 12, um, verse 1 to 8, talks about the difficult times, and these are the, the best times to look towards God. And we, we find talking about old age and death in verse 2 to 7. All right, so Solomon talking about his life. In chapter 1 and 2, Solomon um, talking, his, uh, talking about his life as a king. So he then realized that nothing is worth it in his life, and later it will just go to the wind and to pass away. Uh, then in chapter in chapter two, verse 11, he's saying that um, he looked at everything he did and realized there was nothing worth living for. As you can see that. Chapter two, verse 11. Then he looked at all his works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. So I'm nearly about to finish. So another connection of Christ in the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's life. He had everything he wanted and he um, kept on getting thirsty. And the Lord Jesus said, if you drink, and the Lord Jesus said in the Bible, um, somewhere in the New Testament, I didn't, I should have went for the reference. But he says, um, if you drink my water, you shall never thirst again. And so that is one connection of the Lord Jesus in Ecclesiastes. Uh, so just to sum it up, I really enjoyed reading this book. If you like Proverbs, you'll definitely like Ecclesiastes. Um, this book talks a lot about your conscience and how you should live without vanity, pride. And um, that is my short overview of Ecclesiastes. I just want to make a correction. When I was saying part one and part two, I think I made a mistake. I said chapter one, verse six is part one. Chapter seven, verse 12 is part two. I meant chapter seven to 12 is part two and chapter one to six is part one, just to clarify. So I might um, just give a couple of comments. Um, one thing I realized about Solomon in this book is that he talks a lot about himself and what he did. Um, I don't know if you found that too, Salve, um, that he keeps thinking about the things that he's done and he's very much focused on himself a lot. Um, and I think that leads to a bit of his depression about things or his frustration about what he sees. Um, but for example, I'll just qualify what I'm saying. Uh, have a look at uh, chapter 1, verse 12. 
Now this bit's not too bad, but I'm just going to point out the eyes. In chapter 12, I. In chapter 13, he says, I. In chapter 14, sorry, verse, verse, verse 12, I, the preacher. Verse 13, I applied my heart. Verse 14, I have seen. Verse 16, I communed with my own heart. And again, I have become great. Um, he speaks about in my heart. Um, verse 17, I applied, I perceived. And then in chapter 2, he just like multiplies the eyes. Like if you go and circle or underline each time he says I up until verse, uh, I mean, it's the whole chapter, but if you have a look at, um, say, verse 4, I made me great works. I builded houses. I planted vineyards. I made gardens. I planted trees. I made ponds. I acquired servants. Um, it's a lot of, lot of focus on his own life and his own doing. And I understand he's sort of reflecting on it. I can understand that, but maybe that kind of just looking at himself and looking what he at what he's done isn't necessarily a good idea. Isn't yeah? Isn't helpful? It's not. It's not edifying. I don't know what others' thoughts on that are. And and just sorry, just to add on to that, um, the. The looking at what he's done, I think, was because he was trying to satisfy himself with things that couldn't satisfy him. Um, and so he probably listed all these things that he'd accomplished and he'd done, um, he'd enjoyed, but he couldn't find satisfaction in, in any of them. And I, I think no matter what, you know, none of us are going to live up to Solomon in terms of what. Um, the things that he accomplished or the things that he had or did. Um, but any sort of trying to focus on ourselves and trying to satisfy ourselves with, with things around isn't going to be edifying, um, isn't going to be building up. It's going to make us depressed, actually. Solomon was probably, probably this king who could afford everything right he had everything and he could afford everything he was a rich guy he had everything to satisfy himself but in this book it becomes clear that all these are, as he says is vanity right it's nothing it's uh, does not you cannot find any satisfaction in it it's all earthly it's all material as soon as you have it you look for something else it doesn't satisfy you at all And I think this is a, a great lesson for us because sometimes, might be unconsciously, we, we think the same or we do the same. We, we, we gain for more things, material things, greater houses, greater cars, greater whatever, and somehow look for a, a certain satisfaction in it. But there is no satisfaction in it, right? I mean, that's, that's very clear when we, when we look, when we look here in these, Uh, in, in, in Proverbs, um, but at the, at the end, he comes to a very important, uh, very important message. And this is chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the end of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole man. For God shall bring every work into judgment 
with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I think this is the result that, that Solomon came to, right? He said, um, our focus should be on God, not on, on these material things. And when we fear God, there is real satisfaction. There is real, uh, yeah, real happiness, real joy that can, can satisfy our hearts, not, not these material things. They might look nice, but they don't, oh, they don't give you that what you need. So just a, um, a couple more verses. Yeah. I noticed uh, the Lord Jesus. Um, verse 20 of chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 20. Solomon makes a statement that's, that's very true, and it applies to everyone except the Lord Jesus. He says, surely there is not a righteous man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And that applies to all of us and everyone else, but doesn't apply to the Lord Jesus. Um, and then the other one I like is in verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 7. And that says... I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. And when the Lord Jesus was here, he was, he was the, the true prince. He was a prince, but he was walking as a servant upon the earth. Um, there's also um, a verse in chapter 9. Well, actually, like a small story in chapter 9 and verse 13. Um, and this story, like we understand, like um, the work of the Lord Jesus and, you know, the response to his, his great work. It says in, uh, in verse 13, this wisdom I have also, uh, also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in, in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it. And built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus and how he going to save the city. Um, and by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. So I, th I think it's always encouraging is to remember for us, like to remember the Lord Jesus and what he did for us. Um, it's, it's a kind of like appreciation to his work. Similar passage at the end of chapter four. Um, and it's a passage that's really difficult for the translators and um, a, a little bit hard to follow. But um, the start of the passage is quite plain. Um, Verse 13, better is a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king. Solomon, as an old king, he sees that he's foolish, but he's looking on to one who was going to be poor in the kingdom, who was going to be wise in the kingdom, who was going to be in a prison house and will eventually reign over everything. And then 
that's what he talks about in verse 14. But then in verse 15 and 16, he describes the generation that existed then and every following generation, how those generations failed to have an appreciation of that poor, wise, young man that was born poor. And he comes to the end of it and says, verse 16, surely this also is vanity and striving after the wind. The, um, the greatest one was the one who was born poor in the kingdom. Um, and yet, sadly, most of the generations of men that live on the earth don't appreciate him. And instead, they go after the stuff that Solomon went after. And they make the same experiences that Solomon made. Um, they might be, what's that guy's name? Um, James Packer. Uh, it's old news now, but um, I remember when he disappeared out of the public eye. Um, he's one of the richest guys in Australia for the Dietermans. Disappeared out of the public eye because he was in, in deep, deep depression. And um, when, he, when he launched himself into the public again, um, he, he had to cheer himself up by buying a $200 million yacht. Um, I'm sure that didn't work for him and it doesn't work for anyone, whether we're James Packer or Greg Quayle or um, just the poor guy begging on the street. None of those things satisfy. The only thing that does is the Lord Jesus.